0: The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant Holy Land. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of The Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. And back to, as always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams, who enjoyed some time off with some family last week. How are you doing today, Jordan?
1: I'm doing good. It's uh, it's good to be back, um, especially after this week. I mean, there was, even if I wasn't planning on being back, I would have been back for this show. I I would not have let anybody talk about the things that are going on at Ohio State this week and just college football. It's a good,
0: uh, News cycle
1: Um, We're going to get into a lot of stuff So I'm doing good, how about yourself?
0: I'm good, I'm good Uh, It's been a good week Uh, It's Friday tomorrow Uh, So it's going to be a fun weekend Weather should be nice And that's that's what summer is about We're officially in summer Uh, Summer solstice happened, longest day of the year Uh, The internet tried getting me with some online Summer sales, it's like hey Longest day of the year sales And I'm like not so fast Uh, You can't have my credit card information that easy. Stores. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, what, from Monday until now, I think today was supposed to be like the slowest news day of the week, and then we got some notable college football news about some nepotism in the NCAA. But uh, we will get to that later. I I think we have to start. I think we just have to jump into it. Ohio State goes back to back to back. And I think it's even more than that uh, because it's not one class. This is the, I I think this is Brian Hartline's like fourth class as the receivers coach and maybe his fifth and the amount of top 150 receivers he landed. uh, College football teams will dream about over a decade's time. So I, I think uh, if you guys missed it or living under a rock, the recruiting news this week: Ohio State landed Carnell Tate Monday, which came to a surprise to some people, but not recruiting experts like me and Jordan here. Uh, Brandon Ennis and Noah Rogers, uh, all high four-star recruits, two five-star recruits, uh, top fifty recruits, like three of the best receivers in the country, inarguable. Doesn't matter how you feel about any of the schools they went to, IMG Academy, haters, uh, they're here. And it's hard because this isn't going to be our initial reaction. We've obviously thought about this a lot since Monday. But how are you feeling this week with Ohio State landing those three guys? I mean,
1: it's like... I have a lot of feelings because, I, I mean, first of all, the first one is excited, right? It, it is an offensive game. Having an offensive – having an offense is all, the most surefire way to win, right? So getting three studs is good. Also, um, we've talked about this before. I'm a heightist. Uh, last year's receiving class was pretty short for me, especially coming off receiving classes where we had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jaden to make a group of some of those guys. So it's nice that two of them are 6'2". Uh, and you know when you're building a receiving core, uh, you build it to play basketball on grass. If You don't know what that means. Like, you want to start in five. You want your shorter slot, fast guys, right? And then you want your taller ball winners and, and all those things in between. So if you look at it building class on class, they're really not just getting guys, right? Like, they're getting people who are going to do certain things. Yeah. I mean, this trio could literally fill three wide receiver slots by themselves. They got two, uh, they got two outside guys in a slot. Like, that could be your starting wide receivers in 2024. You know what I mean? So... I'm happy about that. I think just I tweeted I I tweeted a couple of things just being funny. I said the new order of things: family, God, if you believe, and then third is Brian Hartline. Um, I said, oh, I need. I said Ohio State needs to call up Nike and get the details on LeBron's lifetime contract so they can get Brian Hartline one. Um, It's just that what he's doing is crazy, and I know a part of it is like you know. when you build a a record and a rapport with people and you see the results, three back-to-back first-round picks, you can start to – but, like, you should never be able to expect this. And the fact that not only did it happen, but these guys built a close enough relationship where they could coordinate it. They're just – I could talk about this for 30 minutes just with all of my thoughts and reactions, so I'm going to pass it off to you. But, I mean, there's a lot. I just think overall, um, for a lot of reasons, it's great. And – this Brian Hartline, man. It, it's it literally it's like you remember. You remember, I was either this class or the last class. The number one wide receiver in the country didn't have an Ohio State offer, and I said, I said he's probably not good. If Brian Hartline doesn't want him. That was yeah, last year, right? That was last year's class, yep. Yeah, and I don't even remember his name. And I'm just like, it literally feels like Brian Hartline. It doesn't matter if you're number one or it doesn't matter if you're a 300th player. Brian Hartline looks at you, and once he said he, he wants you, you're a guy.
0: Yeah, I agree with that 1,000%, uh, honestly. it the, the draft picks, you know, I think you could see that resonate with these three guys, like Ennis, Tate, and Rodgers, because – I think they are coming in with that same mindset, like, hey, we're going to grind, we're going to get better, and we're going to be a set of receivers that does the same exact thing as those guys did. And, you know, we've seen the results, we've seen the refi- or the the results come to fruition from those guys, Olave, who was not as highly touted. Garrett Wilson was one of the first big-time recruits at that position that really kind of took the room to the next level. And then Brian Hartline took those guys and made them, first round picks with his coaching. So uh, I I think the mindset with the transfer portal now is like, hey, we're going to go in, we're going to compete with the best, we're going to play with the best. And then once we have a real shot at playing, like if we don't get it, we can go and have success elsewhere. I think that's becoming a real commonplace thing. And it's not just at Ohio State. I think you see that at other schools with different positions. Like no one's recruiting a receiver level at this level, but – it's really just – it's just the new era of college football. You can really stack up really great talent at positions. And I, I think when I looked at 24-7 sports, the last three classes, uh, or under Brian Hartline, all his receivers, were, it's 16 out of 18 of them were top 150 players. One yes, of them was incredible. 152. The other is Bryson Rodgers, who everyone says is like godly, underrated, like – Painfully underrated. So,
1: people are saying he may jump all the way up into the top 100. What's yeah. the chance that all four of them are top 100 receivers?
0: And he's he's a talented player. I, I think when you look at this room, uh, it really rivals that class with Fleming and that group. Uh, what Jackson, Smith, and Jigbo That whole year, G Scott. Like this is the same feel of that room. I think you've got a little bit more defined traits and skill sets in this room. Uh, Like they're all around receivers. I think you had a little bit more variety in that other class. And now it's just, uh, I think this is the type of momentum that really takes this class from being like, Hey, all right, let's see what they can do to like, all right, all these things have been answered. Now it's time to stop messing around and let's close on some other positions. And I think that's, with this setup, it's momentum. You've got people who are going to be leaders in the class. You could tell, like Tate and Ennis, have the big personalities of these three, and not in a bad way. They're very confident individuals, and I think that's going to resonate with a lot of players who are visiting and coming. And like this weekend is a huge ov weekend, and I know these guys will be in the ears of these kids coming. So.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the inter- more interesting things was Tate, because you never know where the where the rumors and things come from. But everyone was feeling like he was going to t- Tennessee from NIL, and maybe he was lying right when he committed. But he essentially said that NIL didn't factor in, and I think he said some things that kind of addressed the rumors when he said like, "I'm going to the like the money." He's like, and I, I think he literally says it exactly something along the lines of. And I own money doesn't touch the money that you get as a pro, which is literally a recruiting point. I know Ohio State has said that to them. And he talked about the recruitment and the development that he's going to get here. And it's like, I don't care. You are not getting that at Tennessee. You're not. And there are some guys who walk in good enough to just go play football for three years, not get any better, and get drafted. But not everyone's like that. You still have to earn that draft position, especially to be a number one pick. So... I mean, like, I need yeah. to pull up the stats on it, but five-star yeah, quarterbacks are not successful in college. Just, like, just straight up, they're not. The majority of them do not get drafted at all, or definitely aren't first-round picks. So, like, the bust rate on some of these positions is so much higher than people realize. So I think that they they made a really smart decision for being 17 and 18 of saying, like, this is one of the best programs to be developed. This is where I'm going to get my... my um, best chance of making it to the nfl and playing with good quarterbacks and all that other kind of stuff so i think that um i think that's like a really big thing of note and i think they listen especially carnell tate because he said that because you know he heard the things about him going to tennessee because of nil money
0: absolutely yeah and to be honest like you brought up the quarterbacks like for every uh i'm trying to think for every Garrett Wilson, a five-star receiver who becomes a first-round pick. There's a Donovan Peoples-Jones who goes to his well, school and Rakeem ends up late. Yeah, Raheem Jarrett, who
1: supposedly is going to lead Maryland to being the best wide receiver core in
0: the league. But like, and okay, I, I mean, I mean, Raheem's a very talented player, but he was a huge Ohio State lead for a long time before he decided to stay home, and, and he would probably be in the league right now if he would have not stayed home. And I think that. I mean, and I, I know Brian Hartline is got his pitches. He's got yeah, – and he talks about relationship building. That's the number one thing. And you don't think that stuff's brought up when he's recruiting against other schools. I know when other schools recruit, they have to sell a lot more to the school about the school, about where the program's going, the direction it's in. What Ohio State can do – and I've read about this with Larry Johnson, with Tony Alford – with brian Hartline, they could come in and be like hey you're a good player this is what you need to work on Uh, i think this is where you're at right now this is where you could be and when you get to ohio state if you choose to come here this is our plan for you and they go into detail about how they'll improve what they're going to do to help them improve how they're going to get coach mick to get their body right how they're going to get all that to transition to the field now there's probably that aspect of like hey we've got a great nil team they're going to Work with you to make sure your deals are legit, make sure you get paid. And now you take all that into consideration and it, it just sells itself. And the best want to play at the best institutions that give you the best chance to win a national championship. And the best also want to make it to the league. And Ohio State offers both of those. And it's hard to compete against that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, There's also a bit of like uh, internal, I told you so, of people that thought Ohio State was going to fall off. Um, Not just Ari Wasserman, but other people um, in general. Uh, And it's it's just like, I think me and you try to walk this thin line of acknowledging that Ohio State, we can't say they're going to be good just for the sake of them being good. But also, they've never not been good they've never not been able to recruit urban meyer leaves and the recruiting gets better so there's this thin line of like i understand why you may have doubts and when ohio is down and things like that and i'm not trying to be a super fan and say that they're going to be the best in the world at at everything all the time because they're not which is why we only have one title since 2014 like that's very clear but also there's literally nothing to suggest that they were not going to have a top three recruiting class. There was yeah. nothing to suggest that they were not going to have eight to ten top 100 players like always. There was nothing to suggest that. And so it's like, they're just getting started. I mean, they got the three wide receivers. They have two five stars now, all this other kind of stuff. But like, they're so high on other players. Like, it yeah. seems i allow so coming to this one. It seems like he's going to be in, you know, unfortunately, yeah. we're not getting Samson. I don't even want talk about them no more. Talk it not like it. we're getting a loss of linen. It seems like we're in for a couple of other like top 300 kind of guys. And then it seems like we have a couple of developmental prospects as well. Yeah to get it, maybe two or three more offensive linemen. Um, whether we get them or not, very, very high with Caleb Downs. Um, we have three very high linebacker prospects, and maybe I'm jumping the show, and so I don't, I don't want to go to too much detail because we're going to talk about some of these players, but, like, it's just, it's like, it's June. It's like, June. Alabama has five commits right now, and yeah. nobody's freaking out about Alabama. So... We don't have to say Ohio State's Alabama because we're not. But to put anyone outside of Alabama and Georgia above Ohio State and literally anything is weird to me. So I'm also feeling a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of like, I told you so. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, it was right there. It was right there that Ohio State was not going to fall off and they were going to yeah. get better. Everyone they hired – well, okay, that's actually not true. Only one person they hired had the um, – A recruiting uh, A recruiting Like Resume I guess But like We all know Like I could recruit To Ohio State Like I could Ohio State. All the coaches came in and said recruiting is going to be easier because I have the block O on my
0: chest. Yeah, <laughs> and it takes it takes really good recruiters at the lower level of the FBS, and it makes them great recruiters. It takes great recruiters at that level, it turns them into Brian Hartline. And I know Brian Hartline didn't have the experience, but like Tony Alford was also not recruiting the same players at Notre Dame that he is at Ohio State. So, like, it really is a big deal and. I can tell you
1: right now, the coaches at Kent State are doing the same exact thing that Ohio State's doing, but Kent State's not getting Caleb Downs number like that, Ohio State does something for you. So
0: yeah, and it's always the battle of like a Kent State finds a kid and that region of Ohio, he's not really identified, but then Ohio State, he comes to an Ohio State camp, get better. You know, he ends up being 6'5", fills out a little bit. Oh, this guy could grow into a 275-pound <laughs> edge player. Ends up becoming a four-star recruit. He's now in a different landscape, and it's Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and those names after him now, and that—that's the sucky part about recruiting. Like, I—I I mean, we, I, and this is like my last emotion I had about this. It's like, from the receiver position, we are incredibly spoiled because it shows. Like, Ohio State fans are incredibly spoiled because now they expect this from the running back position, the defensive line group, the linebacker room. And, like, the recruiting there at those positions has not been bad. It's just this has been such an elite level of recruiting. And people are like, why can't the other groups do that? And that's that's just not real life. Brian Hartline's not real life. Like, You don't just – you don't often get a guy like this to fall on your lap who's a former player who played in the NFL, has a lot of money, comes in and still wants to relentlessly work to create the best receiving room in the country. Like, that doesn't grow on trees. And spoiled is the one word I have for it. Uh, you got (laughs) to keep knocking on wood. I'm not saying he can't keep it up, but, like, hey, if you could keep up the recruiting at some other positions, improve it even at, like – I I do think we both want to be more involved as people who follow it with top 50, top 100 offensive linemen. I know we want to be better with the interior defensive linemen. Uh, But overall, I think most of the positions on the field are being recruited at a level just below what Brian Hartline's doing.
1: Yeah, the only one that wasn't it was offensive line, and he got fired. He who will not be named, and defense fell off. But even defense fell off for what a year or two. And that listen, don't get me wrong, that has had some adverse effects. We've had two of the worst defenses in Ohio State history in the last four years between the 2018 squad and the 2021 squad. You know, I am not downplaying the defense, but even that falling off was only for, you know, a certain period of time. So it's like at the end of the day. I think Bill Landis, you know Bill Landis. If you listen to the show, yeah, yeah, friend of the pod. Bill Landis, he said in his in his podcast today that because Ari kind of had mentioned like should other re, should they be doing this with other positions, and he was like, this is weird to say but Brian Hartline is the Alabama of recruiting right now. What Alabama's doing can't be replicated. You can't expect someone to do what Alabama's doing and to have the run that they're having. We're never going to see another Alabama. I'm telling you right now, when Nick Saban retires, especially because the best coaches in his tree already have jobs that they're not going to leave, Jimbo's not leaving Texas A&M, Kirby's not leaving Georgia. Dabo, who's not on the saving tree, but went to Alabama, is not leaving Clemson. Like the best guys on his... Mel Tucker, uh, I would leave Michigan State for, uh, for Alecum, Alabama. Absolutely. I will say him. But a lot of those guys are not... Um, a lot of those guys are not going to leave for that job when he leaves. We could realistically see Five champions, five different champions in five years. Now it's not going to be like freaking Indiana, but it's going to be Ohio State, Texas A&M, uh, LSU, Georgia, LSU, Georgia yeah. and like if USC, if let's U- there. Yeah, and USC. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Ohio State, Ohio State, Georgia, Ohio State, Ohio State, like it has been with Alabama. It's just not going to happen. So he was it like, "This yeah, is weird to say, but Brian Hartline is the Alabama of recruiting right now, and he is." And so, no, this is not going to happen again for the other things. And I wanted to talk about that today with the defensive recruiting because people in general are like, oh, I hope the defensive recruiting steps up and things like that, which first of all it is. But I also want to say, in my opinion, it's fine if you alternate classes. If one class – your best your best players are on defense and the next class, your best players are on offense. I'm totally fine if this year all the best players or most of the best players are on the de- offense because we, I did the math. It was like seven out of 10 or something like that of the best players last year were defensive players. All the five yeah. stars were defensive players, D-linemen, things like that. So you have to stack up the offense and that's fine. Um, not that the defensive recruiting going to be bad. There's a bunch of, you know, we already named some. There's some big names coming board. up. Yeah, we're, we're going to um, do
0: big board here yeah but like so we're, i think we're in a good spot yeah and i i think before we head into our big board just to mention it like the defense recruiting two years ago you got two of the best edge players in the country like in a class last year you got cj hicks and sunny styles like this is no joke like the the defense is still recruiting at a high level with all those issues that they had the last few seasons so realistically Ooh, just, isn't Matayo the, on. the number
1: one? Isn't Matayo the number one DN in the class?
0: Uh, I know That's he's number there. two. He's one of the. He's he's up there. He's in the top thirty of recruits. So he's probably. Yeah, we may get the, a top three defensive end in this class, he's like five star. I, if
1: it wasn't for like just his dad just being like, if it just wasn't for. His dad, and also what happened with DJ at Clemson, where just like you, just like you, just don't know. I would very much be saying right now we're getting Matayo. I'm like, where are you at with him? I'm, uh, I'm at, I think, I, I think I'm at sixty eight percent chance we get. No, Mattio. I'm
0: higher than that, honestly. You're higher. It's, yeah, I don't think if Larry, it, it's all Larry Johnson. I, USC doesn't have a defensive line coach like Larry Johnson. That's the oh, other school. Uh, Oregon. Clemson, Oregon does it. Clemson lost their defensive coordinator, who was recruiting him well. So, like at the end of the day, uh, Oregon could be interesting. I know, but I don't think they've been they've been mentioned with it. But I think it was
1: I think he's I think at think Oregon his top two.
0: Yeah, I think his top two schools were Ohio State and USC. And I I know the allure of staying home, maybe joining in, and trying to be part of rebuilding is something that would resonate with some players but you know I think especially with the poly community when it comes to football that like and USC has had its share of great Polynesian football players on like Pacific Islander uh, football players but it comes back to like you've seen the comfort you see what JT Tuomale was his host you see that connection built there And Uh, who was JT's host? Haskell Garrett. And there's a brotherhood being built there. Uh, It's a place I think a lot of players from that background are very becoming, like, very comfortable with attending. And I I think that says a lot about the coaching staff. I think that says a lot about the culture. But most importantly, I I do think when it comes down to it, it felt like Big Dave, his dad, who – fell in love with Clemson for DJ after seeing what they did with the quarterbacks before him and has seen what Larry Johnson's done for players like Chase Young from a similar background elite Catholic school in the area you know five star prospect level Uh, he's seen the process he's seen that I I think that's going to weigh a lot more in the decision than being close to home because we saw it like DJ went all the way across country to South Carolina Like, yeah, I don't think that's as big as some of the West Coast recruiting experts are making it seem.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the the people of uh, Polynesian descent and stuff, they're very big on their culture and their brotherhood and things like that. And that's why it was so important for us to get a couple. And I mean, there are runoffs, but as a whole, it's almost guaranteed that before ohio state started getting some those players were going to utah they're going to work first of all because yeah. those are on the on the west bad. coast and it's not that far of a flight for them to go home or their family to come to the games and that's where they are a lot of them are in the like the um a pop, the popular religion over there so like some of them end up at like byu and stuff because some of them are like mormon and things like that as well um <clears throat> but like It's so important to have that culture. And then, like, Haskell Garrett wins Polynesian Player of the Year, which is an award that they give out. And it's like now even more players are knowing about him. They're like, he's in Ohio? Like, what is he doing there? So all of that kind of stuff matters on top of, obviously, just the success that Larry Johnson has had and Ohio State has had.
0: I mean, there's that pipeline – uh, there's the Saint John Bosco pipeline. Ohio State gets a few players out of there every so often, so uh, I, I think, uh, I, and honestly, that gets us started with their big board conversation. Mateo is probably number one or two on my big board, like of like must-have recruits in this class. So uh, I, I don't think there was any more important visit for Ohio State last weekend. Or yeah, got time is moving slow and fast at the same time with these rec- with all this recruiting news. Uh, but Matayo uh, he, he's definitely – I mean, you bring him in as a freshman. Uh, you have JT and Jack Sawyer going into their final seasons probably, potentially as juniors in his first season. And you have a very natural succession plan to him getting a lot of playing time. So I, I think – the more I unravel this ball of yarn on the show, I feel like it's just a good fit, honestly. Yeah, I, he's in my top five, but he's not number one.
1: He's probably four. Uh, yeah. But no, only, I... only because of the the two last two long Classes of defensive linemen. I mean, he's a great player. I, I yeah. very much want him. I'm not saying that I don't. But like, when are you looking at big boards? He is not a position of need, as in more in a of like maintaining the yeah. momentum with that position. There are actually positions of need, and so that's. But like, yeah, as far as I, like just purely wants, like I just want a guy. He's number two. I want Caleb Downs. He's number one on both yeah, need and want. Cause getting the number one safety in the country, come on, man!
0: Like, yeah, I put Caleb Downs probably right at the top of my list for that obvious reason. He's a top ten player in the country. He's the best safety at his position. Jim Knowles runs three safeties, so uh, looking at the current commits, like you've got Malik Hartford, you've got uh, I'm blanking on his name, Cedric Hawkins, both very talented players, and I think they're going to be very successful. And I think you look at their build, Cedric Hawkins very much has that nickel safety build. Billy Carford has more of that, uh, middle safety build. And then Caleb Downs has the ability to probably play all three. He's a much more filled out player right now. And I think that he would come in and I think he'd compete for playing time immediately, honestly. Yeah, uh,
1: definitely. So, um, i say Mateo's high, Caleb
0: Downs is high I think those would be my top two Just because you could never have too many Elite edge rushers Which which I feel like we learned over the last couple seasons like, True You need to be great Because for every Chase Young who's a five star There's uh, And this is not a knock on Jonathan Cooper But the level of five star player is different yeah. and Jonathan Cooper had a very solid career But You want to raise your odds of hitting on a Chase Young.
1: Yeah, for me, it's definitely um, Caleb one, Elias Olin and two, um, Tackett Curtis or Troy Bowles or the linebacker from Georgia. Two of those three. I don't care. But I'll I'll just put this. Caleb Downs one, Elias Olin and two a linebacker three because I don't care which one, although I think we need two of the three that we're high on. And then I would probably put Mateo at four. Um unless I wanted to cheat and put linebacker three and four, which is honestly fine with me yeah. because I think we need that. And then yeah, Mateo would be five. But I think yeah. that would be my big board right now. Um, again, I think Mateo is a much, much sexier get than maybe even Caleb Downs because he's an edge rusher. But... I don't think that's the biggest position of need. I mean, we have guys who haven't even touched the field yet. Like, it's like we had Caden Curry – I mean,
0: Amari, Abor, JT,
1: Jackson, JT not in, on campus yet. Yeah, JT and Jack haven't even like ben. really shown what they're gonna be yet. Um, yeah, like I think Omari and them, I think they're on campus now. I think the summer semester yeah. started. But like Omari and April all of them like studs, man. Just like guys. So yeah. it's like I'd be happy if we got two or three four-star guys. Mateo. I, but I want to clarify. I am not saying I don't want Mateo. I'm just saying we were ranking a big board of position of need. The yeah. end is not the biggest need that the defense needs right now because we have yeah. a bunch of studs. Just, Mike Hall hasn't played yet. He's a top 50 or top 60 player on the defensive line.
0: For sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm with you. I think if I had to go through my list, it's Caleb Downs 1, it's Mateo 2, uh, Olaus and Linden 3, the linebackers 4, and then uh, one of the higher-ranked corners they have. And I think Kay and Lee is kind of the one that everyone's kind of circled and said, the next guy. And I, I like Jermaine Matthews a lot, but I think it's an Ohio State battle uh, just to get the commitment. And then I think we could go on and start hunting for real. Um, but yeah, I think I, this I think is going to be a... I think it's going to be a quote-unquote down
1: year, quote-unquote for corners. I think it's going to take a year or two for us to get back in those number one corner types. With
0: that, I, I mean it could start next year. I don't know how well Tim Walton has accost, reacclimated himself to recruiting, but you know, coming in after Kerry Combs left, and we know how good Kerry Combs was at recruiting the corner position. Uh-huh. That was never his issue. Uh, it it really it's a tough relationship to break and remold, you know, that quickly and I think that hurt with a couple of the higher uh five-star ranked corners this class. So uh go I mean, let's just go into these guys individually. We kind of we got the players down. we uh, we talked about Matayo. Uh, let's start let's start with the other side of the ball on the line. We got Olaselenen. Uh I think the priority for him kind of raised once we learned about our guy Samson just not having much interest in Ohio State. Uh, it's not that we expect Ohio State to be involved, but I think the I almost, the damage he must not be named did in the recruitments of Chase Basantis and the recruitments of Samson Oak, and Lola did not give a great starting off point for Coach Justin Fry. So – no, I heard that
1: Michigan State has had a relationship with Samson for two plus years. Like even before he came, like before he came on, like to the national recruiting scene, they yeah. had identified him.
0: And that's really hard to. You can't. It's that's not something that's easy to overcome. Like these kids are making decisions for the rest of their lives. Like relationships are a important aspect of that. So uh, that's why Olaus is definitely. He's obviously the highest lineman on the big board. Uh, he's a guy who's going to bring a versatility to the offensive line. I think he can play both sides, tackle. I think you could shift him inside if you need to. Uh, but overall, getting him in with the group that's already there with Austin Saraveld, uh, Luke Montgomery, and Josh Bedia, I think that's a really solid four foundation. And then you bring in one or two more developmental pieces, and you have a you have a sneaky solid offensive line class. And I think that's where his important. Um, his importance is raised with me because I think he takes it from like, OK, this is like this is a lot, This is an offensive line class. OK, this could be pretty good.
1: Yeah. And I think it also helps that, like, you know, listen, I, I trust Bill. I do. Bill's also not a coach. So there's a chance that Luke Montgomery actually is a tackle body and not a guard. And so if that's the case, which I haven't seen enough of him to know why people think he's a guard, because he definitely has tackle size. He's like 6'5", 6'6". If he is a tackle and then you get a louse, then you have two legitimate tackle prospects, you have two legitimate guard prospects, and then you fill it out with your one or two, you know, Top three hundred or top four or five hundred, because Ohio State's almost always going to have one of those developmental guys. I think what part of the rush and the need for offensive linemen is because a lot of people view the three guys we have right now as all interior guys, and so if it works out that Luke is not an interior guy and is a tackle, getting a louse is major. And I don't know, I don't know their names, but I know we. Sent out things for two guys who are in the top somewhere between, you know, 180 to 300, something like yeah. that, but are still pretty good prospects.
0: I've really been getting into play with a few more. Uh, this is not a great podcasting because I didn't write them down before we got on here. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've seen it too. Uh, there was a few more guys on visits that kind of came out. I, I know the last one, I believe, was – oh, uh, I can't say that name. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, Babalati. Um, yeah, Bob Lottie, Like, uh, there's. I'm sorry. I had no chance there. Uh, I don't want to be rude to the kid, but I also want to bring up uh, uh, 283 in the country. Uh, Demathic Catholic, you know, we've seen that relationship work before. Oh, he's from uh, Demathic? Yeah, Miles Walker was the other guy I saw, and yeah. he is much he, – he's he's in the 400s, uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, but he's 6'6", 275. And I think these are still two guys you'd want to bring in, even if you landed uh, Olaus Lennon, just to fill out the class that much further. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do think that there is – I think there's a lot of momentum kind of being built with Justin Fry. And I think what you've heard Padilla and even Ty Lockwood and some of these other guys talk about Justin Fry, it's very much uh, positive vibe, positive energy at all times, like very thoughtful with his coaching points, that type of stuff. So I I think there's going to be some momentum uh, at the other positions. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think Olaus is the guy who could really make this make the difference in this class.
1: Yeah, for sure. And are we are we out? We're out fully on Chase, right?
0: Yeah. 100 He yeah. seems less interested than Samson. And that's sensible. Cool. Yeah, but that's I, I mean, I, I wouldn't give up on Samson. And maybe that's just me just kind of being a battered human being and just, you know, saying like, don't give up your dreams, Chris. But uh, you know, I think it's time to start paying our attention elsewhere away from the Pancake yeah. King. And I know that breaks both our hearts a little bit. It does.
1: It does. You know, I'm never, never going to be happy about that, but you know, hashtag, hashtag needed suffering. Yeah. The one thing that I'll say for sure is that um, it's not going to be for lack of trying, which is what yeah. I have felt sometimes
0: with, yeah. he's who will not be named. And I um, think he who will not be named was a guy, and I, I think he's just been, he coached for so long, he had his back issues, like, and you can't be a guy who's halfway in the door at Ohio State, you know? Oh. That's why you see a lot of these young coaches come in and have success, because they're trying to elevate. They want to be head coaches and all that stuff, so uh, that's why I think there's a significant gap because you know and we say we we talk a lot about you must not be named for not naming him but back in 2007 you couldn't find a better guy to run your offensive line heck you couldn't find someone better to run your offense than that guy and that shows how far football has come in 15 years yeah I mean 100% so um and that's the thing that's how coaching things that's how the coaching life cycle works I mean it's very rare you have a Larry Johnson who stays elite till he's well into a sixties.
1: Yeah. You're not wrong uh, about that. You're not wrong at all. Um so
0: all right. we'll you want you, you want just, linebackers next or you want to go and talk about our guy just,
1: Caleb Downs. You just mentioned linebackers. You know you know where I'm
0: at. All right. So, Attack uh, Curtis and Troy Bowles are both visiting this weekend. Uh, I, I put them both on the big board. You know, I think a recruit like Arville Reese is a big-time recruit, just, you know, with the pipeline that you want to rebuild because uh, Glenville is on the up-and-up again. So, Arvell Reese very talented, uh, but I think for Jim Knowles to come in and make a statement as a defensive coordinator – and as someone who wanted to maintain his role as a linebackers coach, I think you need to land one of these guys of Tackett Curtis and Troy Bowles. And I think, you know, Tackett Curtis has been an incredible priority for Jim Knowles. So, you know, I hope that way outweighs quite a bit of some of these late risers with the local team, LSU, getting involved. Uh, you know he's uh, not going cool uh, to LSU. Yeah, I think they got involved too late. You know, I think that happens with local kids sometimes. But you know that late push. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's a team. Uh, USC's the other team. But I, I, I don't feel like I, if you could play for Alex Grinch or Jim Knowles, like I think the answer to that question is pretty obvious. And that's just not I, – and I know that that's going to sound very Homerish, but I've seen what Alex Grinch has done at Ohio State. I've seen what he's done at Oklahoma, and I've seen what Jim Knowles has done at Oklahoma State with limited res- – not limited resource, let's not – I'm not going to go there, but with less of a recruiting footprint than, say, in Ohio State, and there are much more – much more need for player development to put it, like, in a nicer way. And I think – when you weigh that, I, I just don't think, hoverism aside, that I, I'd risk my career on Alex Grinch. No,
1: not at all. And that's the thing that has me convinced that we're getting Tacky Curtis. I'd put it at about 92%, is the other teams in his recruitment. If it was Obama, if LSU was serious because of the hometown team, if it was Georgia, I would still be confident, but maybe less. I just don't see him going to Wisconsin. I don't see him going to Oregon. I don't see him going to USC. Like, if those are the tools that he's considering, I, he's going to Ohio State.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other guy, Troy Bowles, was someone a lot of people said, Hey, I don't think Ohio State has much of a shot, but, you know, all the other local recruiting experts are like, Hey, Jim Knowles is getting some momentum. They have the last visit with them. Uh, he's very much in play for the Buckeyes. And Troy Bowles is one of the best athletes, I think. You take position out of it. I think he's one of the best athletes in the class. Right now, he's got two predictions to Georgia. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a battle, but... Uh, and we just saw what Georgia did with their linebackers, but it's the two local guys. Uh, it's a Georgia insider. It's an Auburn insider, so SEC guys. Let's see what they put those in. This this is a little late research live on the podcast. but They put those in in January, and it's June. A lot changes in five months, let alone a month in recruiting. So... I'm not, I'm not going to, like, put any money out there. I'm not going to say, hey, go put your mortgage on Troy Bowles coming to Iron State, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that they get Jack Curtis and Troy Bowles, and I know they're still trying really hard for Raul Aguere, who's the other linebacker in the class that's kind of in this realm of level. And I don't think we're getting him. But I feel like he's Georgia for sure. So
1: which is is Georgia gonna get Troy Bowles I mean I guess Ohio State's trying to do the same thing with trying to get him yeah. attacked.
0: And um, like honestly building on that, like I think you could have a really good class with Arvell Reese, with Taggett Curtis, and Troy Bowles. I think you bring in three different types of linebackers. I think you have the Mike DeWill. Um, I think you get some versatility with Arbel Reese, and I think, you know, you've got quite a bit of potential in that, in that class, honestly. So, yeah. I, this, these are, I think, these are two of the biggest visits this weekend. Though, like, if you're Jim Knowles, this is it for you. Like, as a recruiter, let's see what you're made of. For sure. If I had to put my
1: money on it, Ohio State gets Arvell Reese and Packet Curtis and they don't get Troy Bowles. But I will say this as Troy Bowles waits until December, I may The water. I mean it may change it may change some things. I think and this isn't always happen, right? But a lot of times with the local kid I and mean, he's not a local kid, he's from Tampa and his dad's a coach, so maybe there's nothing, right? Yeah. But I feel like a lot of times In most cases, it's either when you're sold I mean, we're going to get into this later, but Arch Manning just committed. When you're a top guy and they're sold and you know that's where you're going, you commit. There are not too many people, except, you know, the occasional. There are not too many people who push it all the way until December when they've known where they were going since January. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. there may be a lean, there may be things, and they may end up picking the place that people say they're going to go. But there, I believe that once you get into the fall, if you have not committed, your recruitment is still pretty much open. So as he were to set a date of like July 15th, I don't even know what day of the week that is. I would be like, yeah, he's probably going to Georgia. But if he waits until the fall, I and think the longer he waits, the better the chance is that he's in Ohio State lean.
0: He also gets to campus tomorrow. So if he sets a July uh, announcement date, I, I think that means that, that visit went well. Yeah, I I would say
1: if it's July, I think and I I welcome being wrong on this. But if it's over the summer, I think he's at Georgia. I don't know why. I just feel like, you know, Ohio State may need a little bit more time to get in there.
0: Yeah, because I mean, he was he was very close without Washington. We know how that ended. And like relationships. that's the most important aspect in this. Uh, before we get to the break, let's go. Let's do Justice Haynes and then we'll talk about uh, the defensive backs on the flip of the flip of the ads. Uh, Justice Haynes. he's good. Uh, I'm be open and honest here. I, I'm not sure whether I, I don't think it's definitely not Tony Alford's fault, but I don't think this is the class for the elite running backs for Ohio State. Not to knock Mark Fletcher or anything, but I just feel there is Travion Henderson, who's a sophomore. You've got Mike Williams, who's not. He's draft eligible to coming this season, but he's still got two more years of eligibility. You've got Evan Pryor. You've got three really good running backs already on the roster. I'm just doing math. Uh, you probably don't get on the field as fast as you'd want at Ohio State, and running backs like to make statements early. Uh, So if I'm adding up all the situation itself, I I think Justice Haynes might find his way elsewhere, but I don't want to put a shadow over his recruitment. Like I tend to do sometimes and say, Oh yeah, he's out. Uh, I I think Alford's got a huge opportunity. I, I believe Haynes is one of the kids who's visiting this weekend. And I, I mean, I, I, we're gonna know the answer, I think, very shortly with him. So,
1: yeah. Um, hold on. Was Malik Hartford always always a top one hundred guy? I, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a top one fifty guy? No, he was not. He I didn't think big so. Big He's at 149 one forty nine right now. They have yeah. him as the number eight safety in the country.
0: Yeah, he was a climber. Uh, Cedric Hawkins got a big bump as well if I recall so that's big time yeah. But yeah and justice, I mean I like justice. I think he's a good running back. I think 2024 is the class where if Tony Alford doesn't come through and get a big time back, that's when you get start really getting mad. but the math just doesn't check out for me to think Richard Young or Justice Haynes are going to be the perfect fit this year.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like, I mean, Ohio State can't win every recruitment, right? I think it says something that they're in the recruitment. I think it says something if it it goes pretty far, right? But I mean, he's a Georgia kid. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy getting a guy out of Georgia, right? It's just not, especially at a position that has been good at Georgia, right? Ohio State can say, yeah, we have we have Zeke, we have J.K., we have all these guys, and Georgia can counter and say, all right, that's cool. We have, um, we it's crazy. I'm going to forget all their names because we literally just said all their names before the show. Yeah. We have Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, um, and Gurley. And Todd Gurley and all those guys, like not only, and they have the most recent national championship. So they're going blow for blow with everything that we have. And unless he's a guy that either wants to get away from home or is looking at the outset of the offense and saying, oh, well, Ohio State has better skill players, so the offense is going to be fun or something like that. Truthfully, there aren't many things that Ohio State has over Georgia. A kid would just just want to have to come to Ohio State, but – we yeah, don't and I get think- the family factor. We don't got the fact that his parents and cousins and girlfriends and brothers and whatever can just go to his game whenever. Like, So I, I think if Ohio State ends up in the top three, it's a win because it shows that Tony Alford still got it. Uh, yeah. I know like, Ohio State is not a place for moral victories, but we, just, we talked about earlier, we walked the line of recognizing that Ohio State is great, but they're not going to get every player that they want ever. And getting a guy like this out of Georgia is not going to be easy.
0: Yeah, and uh, like especially, like, you take that into consideration, you take the current, like, position outlook into consideration, like, it, it's, not, it's not built for great success. I mean, you only usually have five or six scholarship running backs on roster. Three of them are already going to be massive contributors, and you're really going to think he's going to sit behind three guys and get garbage time carries when he could go to, a place like Georgia. I don't know Georgia's running back situation on top of my head, but I know they lost a few guys to the draft. Uh, Florida. I mean, I couldn't tell you Florida's running back right now. They've got a new coach. There's some fun being brewed up in Gainesville. Like, you know, it's just, it's just there are options, and I'm not going to make any predictions on where he ends up, but it, it's not. This one's definitely a very, like, Like, I can see paths for all the other players we've talked about to Ohio State very easily. I just don't see those easy, clear-cut paths for him to get on the field number one and for him to end up at Ohio State with the current roster situation number two. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And and it's not like you can do anything about that stuff. You're recruiting good players, so you can't recruit another, and that's sometimes the double-edged sword of recruitment. Uh but yeah, let's get to the break. We'll come back after the ads and we'll get into uh, Caleb Downs and the 2025 quarterbacks. Uh, we're already getting out that far. That's how you know we're taking this recruiting expert a bit too far. But we'll see you guys on the end. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, joined by Jordan Williams, as always. Uh, I, I think our big board is very solid. If Ohio State lands these classes, it lands all these players here in the top three, probably possibly competing for number one unless the school takes on 31 recruits and has the space for nine flank 150 defense linemen, which I don't think is going to be the case this year. But, uh, yeah, I think we already kind of mentioned K and Lee. We got into Caleb Downs a little bit, but I wanted to spend a little bit more time on Caleb Downs before we got on to the next thing. Just a little final thought there. Uh, Caleb Downs... Uh, He is part of the group visiting this weekend. He's going to be visiting with Malik Hartford, uh, who's committed already. You know, you've got quite a bit of the local kids coming up here. Uh, I think they're going to be assisting in this sales pitch. Uh, You know, Malik Hartford, Caleb Downs, I think you've got a safety room that you really can't argue with. Uh, So, Caleb Downs, I think is a player who could solidify Perry Eliano's place in that Ohio State recruiting level. That's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, Perry Eliano's done a great job. Willie Cartford kind of fell into his lap. He was at Cincinnati. Now he's like, all right, I'm just going to play for Perry Eliano at Ohio State if he wants me there. Uh, so that worked out, you know. Oh, God, I'm flanking on the – Cedric Hawkins was uh, an early commit, but – I think Perry Eliano sold him immediately on who Perry Eliano was. And if he could get Caleb Downs in his first year, we talked about all the challenges for the other coaches. So if you could get him in your first year, that's arguably one of the best first classes I think we've seen from a position coach at Ohio state. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. And you know, I border on, again, being super aggressive and, um, you know, like moral victories or whatever. But like when I looked at the list, I did not have Caleb Downs as a guy that Ohio State was going to be in on. I just didn't. And then I started hearing about it. I'm like, sure. Like, Ohio State is in on the number one safety in the country. And, yeah, it's like after what they just did on defense, and you just keep hearing it, you keep hearing it, keep sticking around, keep sticking around. And I tried to tell you, I tried to tell y'all, right? We tried to tell y'all that Perry was a dude, right? That he got some guys to Cincy who would not have went to Cincy otherwise. That he had some connections in the South, and that of the guys, he was the best recruiter, and. I think pure talent-wise, as far as recruiting his talent, he's probably top three recruiter on staff. Okay, let's be honest. Yeah, you can only hard. you can only ever be three because one and two is Brian and Brian Hartline. So if you take those two out, he's top. He's top of the top, right? Like just yeah. naturally. Um, or LJ for the top recruiter on defense. So yeah, so. I didn't imagine this. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm like, yeah, I knew Ohio State was getting that guy, right? So, I mean, what can you say? Um, I think there's a very real chance we get him. I think that there's a lot of momentum towards us getting. Yeah.
0: him. I, and I Matt,
1: think Sunny Styles and Caleb Downs in back-to-back classes would be nuts.
0: Yeah, I, I, you really can't even put that into words, and especially like Sunny Styles is a recruit. If he doesn't come to Ohio State, you failed mightily. Like if Caleb Downs just decided like, hey, yeah, I don't want to go up north, like, well he's from the South. That's reasonable for the kid. You know, if you lose out on Sonny Styles, like that's art. If you go in and win Caleb Downs though, that's yes. that's, Sonny, that's plenty of flag. Sonny Styles was twenty
1: twenty-three, right? Uh oh is it CJ Hicks. Which ones reclassified?
0: It was Sonny, right? Yeah. Sonny, Sonny should be in this current class, yes.
1: So was Sonny rated higher than Caleb?
0: N- no. In his previous class, yes. But after the reclassification, I think you like, dropped down a little bit to like 13 or something.
1: <laughs> no, no. I, I get that. I mean, if you, if Sonny was still in the 2023
0: oh, class. He'd be, he'd be a top five recruit. That's what I thought. So
1: essentially, getting the number one and number two safety in the 2023 class. Because yeah. he reclassified cool But he was in the 2023 class If they get both of them They got the number one and number two safety In the 2023 class That's crazy
0: Yeah and I mean Sonny Styles is A lot of people say he's cut from like that Isaiah Simmons mold Where yeah he's a safety But like Just tell him what he, you need him to do And he's going to do it well And I don't think Ohio State's had a player like that In a very long time yeah,
1: I've seen that dude in person at the Ohio State camp. He's a dude, and he hadn't been on campus yet. Like, he's big, man. Like, he's he looks a like dude. a grown man, and he had he, what? He had one day in the Ohio State
0: weight room when those camps started. Crazy. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's it for a big board. Uh, I did I mean, I think we did a good job. I think. We went with the popular names. we learned from the best on doing that. You just take the big <laughs> names, you put them on a list and say, hey, I think this is what their class is going to be. Uh, but I, I think it's fun. Let's jump to the future a little bit. Uh, 2025. You know- oh,
1: sorry. Before... We'll get to that. I just want to say, and I think we actually named all these guys just in the course of the show, but I just wanted to name them just because Bill Landis said it, like they are confirmed to be coming. Um, Caleb Downs, Troy Bowles, Justice Haynes, Tackett Curtis, Olasso Lennon, and and Lee are all here this weekend. Yeah. I do think we just said that throughout the course of the show, but I wanted to confirm that like those are the big name guys. There are obviously other ones. So, yeah, there's quite a few guys. These guys... And these guys started to come out start to, to add commitment dates But yeah, 2025, let's get to it
0: Yeah, 18 recruits Today, uh, I think it was 38 total Visitors on the month of June From June 10th to this weekend So, uh, and that's With uh, Noah Rogers included who ended up having his recruitment trip canceled and he's still committed. So relationships thats what we talked about, but 2025 quarterbacks. uh, It's interesting out here. Uh, uh, Some recruiting insider information. Colin Hurley did receive an offer after reaching out to me. That was pretty cool. Uh, Plays at a powerhouse in Florida. I I mean, seeing him next to Dylan Rayola, uh, what, what? So 2024, It's going to be 2022 so what he's going to be a sophomore this year yeah uh he looks the part like i if you put him in pads and put him on ohio state sideline i think he's a freshman but like he's a trunky kid and he's got a cannon for an arm like he was going throw for throw with as a sophomore and that's not something you really ever see and you know i like ryan montgomery and uh, he's also offered in this class. And I think, you know, having a local Ohio kid, having a Florida kid who's very high on Ohio State this early in his recruitment, like, you can see what Ryan Day's built. Like, this is the destination now. And I, I'm excited to see where this class goes. You know, you've got Colin Hurley, you've got Ryan Montgomery, you got Tavian St. Clair, and you start with those three and you see what happens. And I really just think that's how it plays out.
1: Yeah, um, I have. I'm stalling for half a second because I'm going to. Yeah, no, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't want the kid. I don't. I don't. Six, he's six foot? He's six foot. I don't care. Uh, Ryan Montgomery is 6'3, 200 pounds already, and Tibian St. Clair is 6'3, 190, and they're both from Ohio. But I'm going to talk about them because. Um, because um, Dylan Raiola is like a one of one thrower, and as a freaking sophomore going step for step for step, I, he just needs another growth spurt. For me, you know how I feel. Yeah, I, if
0: he gets I to six three, he's oh, going yeah. to have an offer from every college in the country just because they're like, if you don't offer him, you're going to look stupid. Like even yeah. if you're like an FCS school, like you're just going to have to throw him an offer just in case.
1: Yeah, the thing that's crazy to me though is like, is this the first? Okay, so twenty twenty three doesn't count, right? They, they, I don't yeah. like. I, I really, 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 really hate doing that. This player is not good because Ohio State didn't want him thing. But in certain positions, it's almost fair, and it seems like Ohio State didn't really want any of the top quarterbacks. I'm not gonna go there. Maybe they wanted them and they said no very early. Not gonna get into that, but is 2023, 2025? Sorry, 2025. The first class. In five to ten years where there was, like, a legitimate quarterback competition, I mean, it was Stroud. It was Stroud all the way, even though we had a guy once that identified Stroud. Yeah. It was um, Dylan all the way. Uh, it was um, Quinn all the way. It was uh, – how, yeah, how Devin how back right? It was well, – yeah, but but again, still, it was Devin all the way. Yeah. Once Quinn left and they needed one in that class because that was the same class, um, Ohio State's always had a guy. Like, they've always yeah. had the guy, and they typically end up getting that guy. I mean, how far back do you want to go? I mean, um, when was the last time it happened? Was it, the, was it the Dwayne Haskins class? Because Dwayne wasn't their first choice. Is that the first? But even still... Once yeah they, Dwayne
0: wasn't the first choice for all the wrong
1: reasons yeah but like it just feels like it's been a while since there's legitimately been like yeah
0: where they haven't identified a guy and, and because it's cause yeah. he's
1: far away but also them giving out two scholarships and, and being really high on a third this far away says everything you need to know about these players and it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, Especially When's the last time Ohio State – Ohio had a really good quarterback? I mean
0: – Drew <laughs> it, but
1: he I've was a late riser.
0: Though. He I've was a late riser.
1: I'm not saying. Yeah. I think
0: and he can he, be good, though. I think he, he was like, – He was the last, like, elite, like, top 50 quarterback, and he was a late riser. So that's kind of like – both and three of here, these guys,
1: but, all three of these guys are going to be in the running for number one quarterback in the class, number one player in the class, and two of them are from Ohio. Yeah, twenty twenty five is going to be a bloodbath.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think this class is really kind of. I mean, it's interesting to go out that far because, like you said, kids grow, uh did their sophomores in high school. I know when I was a sophomore in high school, I weighed like 155, 160 pounds. By the time I was a senior, I felt stacked up. I was 185 pounds, 25 pounds is a lot in two years. like, these kids are going to grow. Uh, Ryan Montgomery is already gigantic. Uh, Colin Hurley is six, very to two, 6'3", yeah. 200
1: pounds at freaking 15?
0: Yeah, St. Clair, he's already 190 pounds. He's not as chunky as the other two. But like I said, we talked about it before. Like, there's a plan. He'll get to 215. He'll get to 220 once he gets to Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I mean I like seeing all three of them throw. I don't think there's any problem here with any of them as like where they're at in the process right now. They're getting offered uh it's very like sophomore years like when a lot of these elite quarterbacks start getting offers. Quinn Ewers was the last big time, big time guy I remember getting an you know, Ohio State offer as a freshman. So the sophomore time period I think this is this is huge. I think it's gonna be interesting montgomery obviously has a brother on the team already uh the other two guys you know maybe don't have that same familial connection but playing for ryan day outweighs that sometimes and ryan day I, i mean you can't and i'm not saying it's not going to be ryan montgomery i'm just saying like you can't just take a scholarship for someone because they have a relative on the team at this position specifically yeah, I wanted to get
1: into that. The first thing that I was going to say is, whichever guy that we get, I need the other two to go to like Alabama. Like, I, I do not want to get Ryan Montgomery and Tavian St. Clair goes to Penn State, or I don't want to get Tavian St. Clair and Ryan Montgomery goes to Michigan State. Whoever we don't get needs to go to go to USC, Oklahoma, go somewhere where they're sure not playing now. Ohio yeah. State. I do not want to deal with that. I'm telling no you, right now. Um, but. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that, and so you kind of already answered the question. I feel like there's not there's not always loyalty, right? But yeah. there's also like the Montgomerys are doing everything possible to get him a scholarship. He's at Harvard. He's with his brother. And my thing is like, so I guess the question I have right is, I'm I'm, I'm excluding. The other guy, only the Ohio kids right now. Although yeah. with, I, I shouldn't exclude him because the second Ohio kid does not have a scholarship. But so, but just the, let's just say the two Ohio guys right now. Um, if Madden ratings, right? Just because NCAA ratings, that game's coming back. NCAA ratings. Let's say, right. Um, Luke Montgomery's ceiling is a ninety-four, right? And Tavian St. Cloud, St. Clair, St. Clair's ceiling yeah. is a ninety-eight. Do you take Luke because they're close, and uh, do you take Ryan because they're close and because of Luke, or do you take the guy that you think is the best? Like, obviously, if they grow and one like yeah. falls off, and it's not that, it is what it is. But I just wonder, like you can't entirely be loyal. But at that point, Luke is expected probably to be a starter. At that point, that's three years from now, mm-hmm. and we just saw it with um, we just saw it with Texas A and M, right? Yeah. yeah, a quarter a quarterback from Texas left Texas to go to Texas A and M because their little brother. Committed there, maybe he wasn't from Texas. I think he was, but either way, a quarterback that started somewhere is now, I think, at Texas A and M starting for that job because his little brother became the recruit there. So, if if Ryan Montgomery hasn't started yet, which is fair because you know you don't you don't typically start in year two or three as an offensive lineman, and they choose a different quarterback, do you risk losing them both? I mean, yeah, that's it's a Ohio state, but like, is that like so? I yeah, I mean, from being coaches, because we're not. What would you do in that situation, or, or what would you think they should do? If Ryan Day yeah. calls you, like, "Hey, this is the situation. Where are we going?"
0: I honestly think at wide receiver, at defensive line, you could kind of take that into more consideration. But this is quarterback. You know, like, what's Ryan Day's mentality? Like, you take one every year because you're not sure which one you're going to hit. So that for overall rating could be the difference between, you know, having Deshaun Watson at Clemson and then having, you know, a really good quarterback and, you know, like that's like that, that level of difference there. So I, I think if they're fortunate, they'll be able to take to that class because obviously there's going to be some positional movement by that time, but you've got to take the better player at quarterback. Uh, it, I think family relationships, If you risk losing a valuable offensive lineman, like that's something that you'd have to weigh. I think, uh, depending on his background, like where he comes from, I think that some players can take that and be like, hey, like I get it, but they're competitive. Like he's going to go to a place and he's going to seek whoever doesn't get that job is going to go to a place and seek revenge to prove them wrong. And that's what. That's the competition you want to breed in the room, but also it's it, it's it's tough, and you need to take the guy that you think could win you the national championship. Like coin flip, if it's Ryan Montgomery, uh, it's him. And there there's other stuff that gets taken into consideration, like quarterback's a very intangible, sit, like position. Like, does he fit in the locker room? Does he feel like he can come in and lead a team? You know, and I think that's what like a lot of people weren't sure about with who was going to come out in that way with Stroud and Jack Miller. And I think we've seen how it's played out and not saying people didn't like Jack Miller, but I'm just saying like, you see how the team responded when people were questioning Stroud, like he's that dude. And I think that's what you need to get. So regardless, Dan Roy is the 2024 guy. Uh, we probably wouldn't see any of these guys till 2027 at the latest. So yeah. we're getting out far into this decade and we don't like to usually do that, but I, I it, it's tough. I don't think you stick with the family. I think you go with the best player that you think is the best player and trust your gut.
1: Yeah, I think, I think ideally I agree with that. Um, as a fan, I like the brother angle, you know, just because Ohio yeah. State has had some success with brothers. But I can tell you right now, Unless he switches to offensive lineman, I doubt we take Dylan Rayola's brother in 2026. Um, He's not built like a quarterback. He's built like his dad, who was an offensive lineman. So that's That's going to be be interesting. That's going to be interesting where that goes as he starts to hit his growth spurt. But yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because, like, again, I keep saying it, but two of them are from Ohio. And when's the last time Ohio had elite, elite quarterbacks? It's been ever. I mean, like, it's been yeah. a very, very long, a time. long time. So that race is going to be interesting as well as just obviously because the other guy whose name I forgot is not from it, Ohio. This is so it's early. Interesting. So, yeah, it's to early, just see I how the quarterback recruiting blows up in 2025. And really, I think the takeaway from this because we can't predict who's going to do what and where. The takeaway from this is that quarterback recruiting is going to blow up in that you always need to be able to identify your quarterback two or three years in the future. Like Absolutely. offensive lineman, defensive lineman, corner, whatever. You can come to a camp and you can get an offer. You can do this, you can do that. I think next year we'll be hearing about 2026, guys. And the year after that we'll be hearing about 2027, 2028, guys. I think quarterback recruiting just with the camps and the circuits and the coaches and all that kind of stuff, you're going to have to be on that guy early. And I think it's. Yeah. I think yeah. the biggest thing with this is more more so less so the 2025 class and more so the trend of you will always be years out with quarterbacks and also just the recruiting. Like it's so big with quarterbacks recruiting to a class like
0: what is the 2024 class going to look like because of Dylan Rayola, you know? Yeah, 100 um, percent. And like we haven't seen the 2024 class like really get rolling yet. But we're going to start seeing their offers are already out. There's tons of players who've been offered in the 2024 class. We are really just seeing the plant starting to be planted or the seeds starting to be planted for the 2025 class. So we got a long way till then. Uh, but yeah, I think once again, we took this bit too far. No such thing. Recruiting experts. Uh, final thoughts heading into this weekend. Uh, and then we've got. We'll, we'll do we'll do some lightning rounds with some of these next ones next one's not going to be a lightning round but after that uh, It's gonna be exciting I think get ready uh, you, you know when you're getting on a roller coaster and they do the safety check right when you put your your strap on right, right. The, Whatever's holding you in the belt or you know the thing you bring down. I don't even know what they're called That's where we're at with recruiting We're, we're on the roller coaster. It's about to it's about to take off We've we kind of gone on a couple other rides around Disneyland, but now now we're taking on Space Mountain. <clears throat> yeah, you, had the, you had the kitty rides out the way and
1: you've been you've been in line for the drags there for a couple hours and now you're getting up to the top. Yeah. Now you're getting it's up to, to get you're starting to get seated.
0: Yeah, and it's it, you, you start feeling it and that's where we're at. So I'm excited. This weekend's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: A right, quick side note I don't think they're going to take him because I don't think they need a guard. But Cleveland is up now on a draft. So. Ooh, Branham. Did Branham four, go yet? Quick. Nope, no Branham. So, I don't think they're going to take him. I just, I don't think they need another guard. But um,
0: yeah, if they want to trade, he's not
1: really a three and D wing. Like, I don't know that he's going to be able to play small forward for them. Um, so, I doubt they take him. But just wanted to say, if there's a crazy reaction from me, that's it's because they picked the guy. So, yeah, uh, you sure. want to yeah, get into the next part?
0: All right. So I am now wearing my hat backwards because it's time to go and drink some of my haterade off the on the air. But I I never hate without reason. And it's not true hate. It's just like, I, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We're not shiny new toy guys. We like to see the proof. We like to see the results and Arch Manning, he committed to Texas. We haven't seen results from Texas, and I don't think me and you are high on Arch Manning altogether. And and first off, any fan base coming to listen to this, uh, it's not because Ohio State wasn't involved with Arch Manning. I think Ohio State's relatively fine at the quarterback position for the next few years. So uh, I, I like. I mean, I, I think he did his recruitment well. I think he handled it the right way for a player of his background. I think would be the best way to put it, and I respected how he went. Uh, he went about it. He went about it quietly. He went about it concisely. He narrowed his list of teams down, and he committed. And it was based. Uh, we talk about it all every time we're on the show when we talk about recruiting. It was about the relationship he established with Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and I, I think it's. It's good for Texas. I, I think he's, uh, he, you know, when you look at the recruiting numbers, the metrics, it's a huge win for their class. Uh, but looking at Arch Manning, I've seen some videos. I've seen his competition. I, I know uh, Newman's a good, it's like powerhouse in the Catholic school leagues down there. But I, I just don't see it, man. I don't see it. Well,
1: first of all, Anyone who is not in tune with
0: um,
1: Louisiana sports, because not everyone is or should be, they their best schools are public schools and then they have a couple of really good um, uh, private schools. Isadora Newman is not one of the good private schools. I mean, they don't go far into the state tournament at all and they play scrubs. Like, I'm not going to go into their entire system. I know a decent amount about it because I have a friend that works down there like in their high school athletic association so even without Arch Manning, I, I know a lot about their sports because we just talk about it, but he's not playing a lot of good competition, and even in that, he's not shining the way you think he would with taking his team far into the playoffs, putting up crazy stats, and things like that. I'm not saying he's going to be a scrub, but like, especially knowing the competition he's playing in, he should be much better. I would just say that.
0: Yeah. So, like, direct comparison, and I know there's sour grapes with Quinn Ewers, but watching Quinn Ewers is highlight. From his Texas, like his junior year, uh, in the highest division in Texas, because South Lake Carroll is a huge high school. Uh, it was incredible film to watch. Like the way he yeah. threw the ball, the RPMs he gets on the ball. Like when he flicks his wrist, the ball goes. And I, I mean, I don't want to get Texas fans too excited about Quinn Ewers, but. Like number one quarterback in the class, I I just think you need to have special physical attributes. And I looked at some of the other quarterbacks, and we've gone down the list quite a few times. There's not any guys who are kind of that 6'3", 215 pounds, like, cannon for an arm. I think it's, like, relatively a down year, and I think a lot of people are overzealous about Arch Manning because he is a man, And, I mean put the backwards hat on because i just don't buy into that line of thinking honestly I, I think i'm a hater on that line of thinking like arch manning i i think his floor is higher than most players like coming into college i think his floor is higher but i don't know how high his ceiling is and just watching him play you know assuming he's going to elevate with the higher level of talent around them and elevate against better talent in front of them. It's high, uh, you know, and I, I heard one person say, it's like, oh, he's an X and O's film junkie. I'm like, if you want to be a good quarterback in high school now, you have to be an X and O's film junkie. Like, I want to know, like, and I know his uncle, like Peyton Manning's very renowned for being in tune with every single little aspect of the offensive game of football. So, I'm assuming that rubbed off, but I, I just don't think the things they're using to sell them are what excites me about a college quarterback these days.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, quick note: the Cavs did select the guard, but it wasn't Malachi Burnham. It was the guard from Kansas. I don't know how they still think they need guards, but yeah. like whatever. Guard driven. It's guard leader. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that. I, I think, like you said, his floor is high. Um, largely because he should have all of the knowledge and the intangibles even if he doesn't, say, have the athletic traits and things like that. So that's the thing about the Mannings. Neither Manning was or three of the Mannings that played football were not the most athletic players in the world. They won off their kind of cerebral talent and things like that. And even Peyton Manning would tell you he didn't have the best arm, but he obviously had a good enough arm. I'm a coach fan. I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. But um, I just think that I don't think... I won't say that he's not good. I won't even say that he's not the best quarterback in the 2023 class. I don't think he's the best quarterback in a generation, which is what they're trying to put him at. And I think one thing that we learned with Quinn Mewers that people should remember is that having a 1.000 rating does not mean that you're a perfect prospect. That rating is compared to your high schoolers. Yeah. So, the reason why Trevor Lawrence, who is probably Still a better prospect than all of these guys didn't have a 1.000 rating, is because Justin Fields was also in that class. So Trevor Lawrence was like a point nine 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 and Justin Fields was like a point nine 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 eight. Yeah. And it's not that Quinn or Arch is better than Trevor because they have a higher rating, it's that the class is worse and there's better competition. So I think people forget that when they look at this rating and they say stats like there have only been three people with a perfect rating before. Cool. But that has like the 2022 class with Quinn viewers overall was not that good of a class. There were not that many high quarterbacks. That's why that class was what it was. And that's why he was able to be rated that. Again, not saying that Quinn is not good, although I do feel like he's overrated a little bit. But, you know. Social media, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think he's better than Arch. And I think the rating doesn't matter. And a question that keeps getting asked that I think is a good one is would we feel the same way about Arch Manning if his name was Quinn viewers or if his name was Jordan Williams or if his name was was Eli Holstein? Yeah, insert anything that's not Manning.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's the point that we made. Like, I know you showed me a video a few months back kind of talking about this. Like there was a kid uh, from the Dayton area in Ohio who had like forty five hundred passing yards in a higher level of competition and he had no recruiting profile, he had no stars, and he only had offers to Mac schools and FCS programs. And not saying that's a bad thing. But like throwing for 2,400 yards in the New Orleans Catholic School League is not the the type of thing you want to see. Like, Quinn Ewers threw for, like, 4,000 yards in a season, like, in the highest level of Texas football. Like, C.J. Stroud led Rancho Cucamonga, who's a, it's a good high school. It's a public school in California, and we know modern-day St. John Bosco, the private schools tend to run Southern California. But, like, he... Led him to a nine and three year. He beat some really talented teams. Like you saw, what he was immediately it flashed off the screen. And like I, I I'm not saying Archman is going to be a bad quarterback. I, I don't want people to think that. I, I think the expectations for what I think he can be are way too high, and I think that's where my issue is. I would agree with that. I and think that I, is a very and that's not and that's not a one thousand level recruit. Like you know, with a one point zero zero.
1: Yeah, because we're not sitting here saying that he's not going to be a first-round pick or anything like that, but people – and it's so crazy how things have changed and it feels like we're, you know, defending Quinn Ewers now or whatever, but it's so crazy how people are literally saying like, oh, well, Quinn's going to transfer now because they got Arch Manning and this, that, and the third. And the thing is, the funny thing about it is Quinn may not even win the job this year because people forget that Hudson Card was the number two quarterback in his class – yeah, so he's he not, a dude. and he's from Texas, playing in a, in a good division as well. So he's not a scrub. So even though we're defending Quinn versus Arch, that doesn't mean I think Quinn is going to be the best quarterback in the country and won the Texas job. Texas is probably—I mean, Quinn. Kind of counts, kind of doesn't because he transferred. But Texas is probably number two in the quarterback recruiting right now behind Ohio State. (laughs) Hudson Carr, like I said, number two player in the class. They didn't get him, but then they get him immediately after. He was the number one in his class. And then they get Archman number one. That's an Ohio State level thing, except they're they're not doing the developing and things like that. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't have the same impact. But Quinn may not win the job, but, like, Hudson Card could be better than Archman. He was yeah. not a
0: scrub at all. And that's also something I don't think people take into consideration, like – Like, it's not like these schools are just getting, like, one elite quarterback. Like, that's not how it is. Like, we talk about it at Ohio State all the time. Like, Devin Brown, like, he could have went to a smaller school and started immediately, you know. Uh, But he went to Kyle McCord. He could have left after last year and probably went and started somewhere, you know. So, it's like schools have room for talent. And just because you know you are a talented quarterback doesn't mean that it's just you're not just gonna land that's what that's a lesson quinn ewers learned like it wasn't gonna keep wasn't gonna come to ohio state and immediately get the reins handed to him uh, i think it was all just employed to get money and then come back down to texas in the long run uh, you know conspiracy theory stuff but overall just because you're a good quarterback and you're a highly touted quarterback prospect i think this is still one of the hardest positions to evaluate. I think when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you never know what they're actually going to be when they show up to campus because there's so much mental to it. And I'm not just talking about learning the playbook and all that, just the confidence being able to deliver in crunch time and these big moments in these practices that we don't get to see. Like there's a lot that goes into it. How does the team respond to Arch Manning? Like, I don't know. We don't know that stuff. We won't know that stuff until he's on the field, and then we'll know. But it's just – let's not anoint kings in college football. Like, I feel like this is, like, truly, like, the one sport you have to earn that title. And just because you're a talented recruit, you're a thousand-level-ranked quarterback, doesn't mean it's just going to come. Yeah. um. Last name adds to that as well, so – 100%.
1: 100%. Like I said before, um, five-star quarterbacks do not get drafted. A lot of them end up becoming bust. It's
0: all about the high four stars. <laughs> uh, but you're right. You're right. It's going to be interesting. Uh I mean, I don't have any much more to say. I think it's also an incredibly wild assumption to just assume quarterbacks are gonna transfer because a seventeen year old committed to a school an eighteen year old committed to a school, like that's like saying like the guys who are already there are scared of competition. like that's not how these people are wired. Yeah. And
1: this is the last thing I say on that is so this started in twenty this is twenty fourteen because some of the, if you go to twenty fifteen and beyond, some of them are still on campus and things. And this is the old article, which is the first one I found. These are five star quarterbacks. Tell me which one was good. 2014, Kyle Allen. 2013, Max Brown and Christian. Nah, Pack- uh, 2012, Jameis Winston and Gunnar Q. Uh, Both pretty solid, actually. Uh, But, like, only one made it to the league. Only one made it to the league, yeah. 2011, Jeff Driscoll and Braxton Miller.
0: Uh, One, obviously, Electric had an injury. Jeff Driscoll did make it to the league, but definitely was not a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, 2009, Matt Barkley, Russell Shepard,
0: Garrett Gilbert, Aaron Murray. Uh not a single first round pick in that group. A lot of good college quarterbacks, but not a single first yeah. round
1: pick. The last one I'll do just because this is getting to the point where it's like this doesn't even count, but it just shows a trend. 2008, Terrell Pryor, Dane Crist, and EJ Manuel. EJ
0: Manuel, the only one to get drafted as a quarterback. Uh Terrell Pryor, supplemental draft, obviously. And then Crist, I don't even know what happened to him, honestly. Yeah, so
1: that and that and I will say, while yes, that started in 2014 and below, that trend has kept now. So being a five-star quarterback is not enough; it's
0: just not. It's not. No, it coming to Ohio State is enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to follow. I think that's the one thing you know, uh, a Manning in college football. Like last time one was there it was eli and he was really good uh but we will see what arch can do and i got the texas fans acting like they're back because they got another good recruit you know how many good recruits texas has got in the last five years a lot and they still suck so yeah i was um, listening to like an, a
1: thing on the athletic like just like a room for people to talk about their recruitment and someone was like yeah i think that this staff is doing a great job with recruiting I think recruiting was the downfall of, um, what's the Ohio State guy? Tom Herman. And I'm yeah. like, I well first, I it? He recruited well, first, uh, he recruited he well. every to... year he was there. Yeah. So, all right. So like, was recruiting was not his downfall. You didn't pay attention. He was recruiting very well. his yeah, downfall was everything. His downfall is he wasn't trying to suck
0: off the uh, the boosters. The boosters, yeah, which. To be honest, that's the number one reason I probably should coach Texas. <laughs> he was, yeah,
1: he wasn't trying to excuse my legs. He wasn't trying to get on his knees, and so they had to fire.
0: Him. Yeah, but, hey, we're rich. You're we pay your contract. He's like, I don't care. You guys hired me, so I'm going to do my job. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, I think let's get into. I, I took out the this or that. Uh, let's go to Bryson Rogers. Uh, I thought this was fun. Uh, I think this will be a good last topic for the day. Uh, We'll keep it to that hour 40 mark. Uh, Let me pull it up on my phone. Uh, Bad podcasting, but I just want to make sure I have it accurate, you know? I don't want to uh, misquote this tweet. Uh, It doesn't look like it's there anymore. Uh, Well, that means the coaching staff said, hey, take it down. (laughs) But if you guys missed it, Bryson Rodgers received a text from Ron Bellamy yesterday after Noah Rodgers committed. And then two hours later, Ron Bellamy texted him again. And he said, go Bucks!" back to the receiver coach at Michigan. Uh, after that, he posted it on Twitter and said, hey, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. Like, none of this stuff is going to change. Like, and just kind of went in on it. And a lot of people were like, very mixed feelings about it. Uh, and I, I'll let you go first here. Uh, I don't know if you saw it was up, but tweeting that out, was that too far from Bryson Rogers? I mean, obviously the coaching staff was like, hey, dude, we can't do that. But, you know, I was excited. I think they were all just vibing. And he's like, hey, let's get this Buckeye Nation riled up one more time today.
1: Yeah, I think it was childish, but he's a child. I'm so He's 17. He's 17. Like, he's he's 17. Like, it was, and it wasn't anything bad. It's not like he was there sharing state secrets or anything like that. Yeah. A lot of recruiting is public in any way, and so it's like it's fun. <laughs> I think like, oh, my, my mixed feelings was that it was childish and wasn't really necessary, but it's funny. It's a kid having fun. Coaches you know, all is fair in love and recruiting and coaches are going to try to turn them. People were, you know, putting things on and saying that, like, they were probably reaching out because they were probably trying to say, like, hey, they don't got room for you. They got these that's other what, guys. That's they what guys I was going to say. This, that, and the third. So as far, I, I don't think it was a bad thing. And, and it wasn't anything bad. It was literally just, like, stoking the rivalry. Like, hey, I'm a Buckeye. Like, I didn't yeah. respond to this guy. I said, go Bucks. It's not a problem at all.
0: 100%. And to be honest, to me, like, I I really think like it's disrespectful like I think it came off and if I was Bryson in Bryson Rogers' shoes and I'm like at, on 24-7 sports and I'm the guy in the 200s and the other guys are all in the top 50 like I I, I mean he's a confident kid uh, I think he's very I've seen a few video interviews with him he's very self-aware I mean uh, he's, he's very talented he's good at football like That's why Ohio State and Brian Hartline offered them. Uh, But if I have that mindset and, like, i am big committed to Ohio State and then you see this third receiver commit and then you text me, hey, how you doing? Like, nah, dude, like, you don't think I knew about this? You don't think Brian Hartline was telling me we weren't going to try to get the best receiving group on the planet together? Like, no, Brian Hartline has talked about his open and honest communication. I think it's disrespectful of a coach to be like, messaged you after the third commitment and being like, hey, what's up? Like, cause that's what he's saying. He's saying you're not good enough to play behind those three. And so iron here. And that's why I respect what Bryson did. I'm like, hey, stoke the rivalry. I get it. But in reality, set the boundary, say, hey, I don't have the cowardice in me to back down from the challenge these three provide. Iron sharpens iron. You know, people are like, oh, don't burn bridges. Hell, if I, I, I'd burn a bridge with the Michigan man tomorrow. If I, if I'm partial. Like, because uh, first
1: of all, if he wasn't going to Michigan, if he wasn't going to Ohio State, he wouldn't pick Michigan. Isn't he the dude from the, the West Coast? He's from Florida. Like, Zephyr, from the East? Yeah. I thought, uh, oh, no, that was the Rico kid, right? The Rico wide receiver.
0: Was, yeah, he's from the Fresno era Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: I was going to say if he was going to go anywhere, he would go to USC. I mean, he still may go to USC. But like, if I was a wide receiver, I'm not going to Michigan <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's unless just, I
1: like, really wanted to, but like, I'm not going to miss.
0: But yeah, overall, like, I get like, it, 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 it could be seen as. I, I think you said it right though. It's just a 17 year old being a 17 year old having fun. Like, there was a ton of good energy. Like, Ohio State. I know that group chat was blowing up, and you know he sent it in to like the group that's committed. You know, and. Yeah. They're like, Oh yeah, dude, you gotta post that. Let's go, Buckeye Nation. We we ride, you know. And they're they're overzealous. It's to the twenty yeah. it, it's this class, the twenty twenty three class, like they're it's having fun. fun. Ultimately it's, it's fun. fun. And I don't think Roy Bellamy wouldn't take Bryson Rodgers because he sent that tweet out at the end of the day. Just like just like Davos said he
1: wouldn't take Corey Foreman. We well, didn't say that, but he's like, if you go on other visits, like, don't do that after you've committed to Clemson. And Corey Foreman didn't go to Clemson, but he would have took him.
0: Yeah, he would have. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I just think that was an incredibly fun moment. I, I understand why they'd say, hey, yeah, you should probably take that down. I get it. But... At the end of the day, it's just uh, he's sort of a kid being a kid, having fun. His friends were gassing him up in the group chat, and he went, he went, and that's what I like to hear. So, uh, he honestly moved up on my my list. I think he's the number one receiver in the class as a Ohio State graduate. I think he he definitely. I think he's got uh, he's got that unquantifiable it factor. Uh, you just don't see. And I, I honestly think when you have a Florida kid with that level of attitude towards the other school, that's how you know that this this class is – they're sending a message to this class like, hey, it's not happening again. So that gets me excited as well. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it's funny.
0: It's funny. It's funny. When I saw that, but what do you expect from a seventeen-year-old? When I saw that, I didn't laugh. I I mean, I just chuckled a little, and I was like, "That's funny." Yeah, moved on with my day, and then I saw like a bunch of quote tweets later, like, "You should delete this. This is such a bad look." And I'm like. God, Gosh, you guys are so full of yourself. Stop talking to seventeen girls. Stop, stop being
1: boring. <laughs> like it didn't. Like it wasn't like no personal information. It wasn't like you know. It, like, it, like it wasn't like the the kid who leaked Nick Saban's recruiting pitch.
0: Yeah, and it all was people
1: not. talked about, like, oh my God, Nick Saban's to go, Nick Saban's to go. Look at how he done da, 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 da And like that's like kind of an invasion of privacy. Like that's putting his recruiting pitch out there. This is just like a text message from a, and Michigan was. Never high on his list anyway, so like, yeah, it's fun, it's cool,
0: whatever. Yeah, burn the bridge. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's it for me on that. I don't I don't have any more to say. Like, it, it, that's his. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he's meant to come here. That's all I learned from that. Uh. All right. All right final thoughts. Ohio State trademarking the article duh for merchandising. I like it. I, I think you know if you're going to be pretentious about something, you better own it. And they've tried for two years to own that. So if it, it's the Ohio State University, uh, it's in the name. Uh, they love to put it on clothing because it is very recognizable with the university now. After all of these companies made shirts with it, and now they're going to be in total control over that. And I think at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean much to me at all. I know a lot of people like to talk about it, but. Yeah, how do you feel about that as a, someone who is a fan, but, you know, maybe doesn't have the same alumnus-like love towards the school like that?
1: Personally, I don't care, but I will also probably buy a shirt that has D on it if it looks nice. Yeah, like hey, if I go to the Buckeye store and there's a nice shirt that has D on it, I'ma buy it. Not because it has D on it, but because it's a nice shirt. I like you said, I think if you're gonna care about something so much it makes sense to get, you know, a thing for it. Um I I am interested to see what they do with it. That's what I want to know. I want to see what they do with it. Like, is it just going to be on shirts? Are they going to put, like, a whole bunch of, like, cool things out there? Yeah. That kind of stuff. I I, I would like to see that. But overall, what? I don't care. I, I don't think it's good or bad. But, like, you know, if they make something cool or a hat, a hat with the on it might be cool.
0: Yeah. I know Nike's made some stuff like that. Uh, so I'm sure it's just going to go with their, like, immediate, like... Merchandising partners that are allowed to use it. But like those off campus stores have been making a lot of money with like some fun shirts like that. So, uh, it, without Ohio State's permission, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. So, uh, that's the interesting aspect to me. I, I think. It's it, It's mostly just funny that they actually accomplished it because a lot of people over the last two years on their other two attempts made fun of them for it. Like, oh, you can't trademark the word D. Uh, well, guess what? Ohio State did, and that's why they are a better academic institution than Notre Dame and Michigan because they don't own an article. <laughs> that's my final thought. Uh, did you see the? Uh, did you see the new turf? Did you see any of those pictures on Twitter?
1: Uh Yeah Personally I don't care about the turf As it's, long as it's not so old And decrepit that people are risking injury I told you what they need to do They need to get new turf every five years And they need to send The old turf on a rotating basis To Columbus City Schools
0: um, I think that's a great idea
1: Outside of that, like, I don't care. Like, I know it became a a big thing because we had nothing else to talk about and they opened the competition. I would be fine never talking about turf again, as long as 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 it doesn't be as bad as it got the last time.
0: Yeah, I will say, I, I do think my one takeaway was like, after seeing all the competition entrance and then seeing what the professionals came up with and actually put on the field. Uh, there's a reason people are paid to come up with that stuff. And they didn't do a lot. They weren't rocket scientists here. They kept it classic. They put red end zones. They put gray riding with white inside it. Like, it, it does not go all out. They added the Buckeye leaves. It looks inc- I mean, it looks did great. Add,
1: I, I didn't think they added the Buckeye leaves. I thought they did. I mean, I might have been just a so I like I wanted, wanted. That's the see. one thing I wanted them to add that I think they did. I know on their they added the helmet final, stripes.
0: Yeah, I know on the final... Uh, like mock-up there with the little Buckeye leaves there. So they? they're probably there. I'll Maybe have to take a look. To I think show. that's the
1: thing that I wanted. I know they did the little helmet stripes. So I don't know that's cool, like the little gray or whatever. I thought they didn't have the Buckeye leaves, but maybe they heard the feedback and they added it. I think that was the nice yeah. little touch. That, yeah, that was, I think that oh, was... No, 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 no. I think they had the Buckeye leaves. I wanted the state of Ohio. That's what it was. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, still, I think they did. I think that's why you leave that stuff up to the pros. You know, it came out classic. I and You can have all the fun stuff you want, but like, if you put a diamond pattern in the end zone, that would Get old so quickly. Yeah. You don't want something to get old. So I just want to bring that up because I thought that was the other thing a lot of fans got riled up about. So it's just all coming together. I think, you know, the rebirth era, you know, new turf, it's time for Ryan Day to fully cement himself on this next set of turf. You know, the the old era was kind of ingrained on that last turf. It's time to, it's time to fly on this new turf. Yes, sir. And that, that's it for me.
1: Jordan, where can we find you on social media before we get out of here? You can find me on Twitter at JordanW330.
0: Yep, and you guys can find me at Chris Um, And you can find the show at Book Off Talk. Make sure you follow all three of those accounts for all the Buckeye Talk you need. I know it'll pick up come July, but just make sure you're following before then. And that's that's it for me. It was a fun show. A lot of recruiting. Uh, next week, uh, teaser for the show. We're going to start getting into some conference previews, uh, and oh, not a, not the Big Ten, but some other conference previews. And that's going to be to be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's it for me, and I'll see you guys next week. Go Bucks!